Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. And we are live. I don't even know how to start this one. It says in the it says in the beginning that I will be talking to my friends, but I am so excited to be talking to my wife this evening. I have my beautiful wife, Jackie Haydock, is on the podcast. Hello, everyone. So excited to be here excited. talking you with Jarrett. You have been, from what I can tell, a little nervous. Yeah. Up to it. Yeah. No, I definitely have. But I have a little bit of wine, not too much wine, just a little. <laughs> Just a perfect amount Just of wine the perfect amount. for a GMS podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are, what you do, and then and then kind of leading into this one, we're going to be talking about our previous three weeks uh, dealing with Corona, using our resources to try to help the best that we can, which which has been trying to get disposable mass to the to the U.S. for the last three weeks. Um, but go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we can kind of put all those pieces together. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, y- you may have mentioned we are, and for those that don't know where we live, so we are recording live today from Kirkland, Washington, yep. which is for the United States, patient zero, right? So we actually King live County. at King County, patient yep. zero, for this horrible pandemic. Um, so that's where we're broadcasting from. That's where we've been sheltering in place, um, you know, so socially isolating, as we're calling it here in Washington. Yep. Um, and as you said, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my background, why, why I'm on the podcast, like why we're talking today. Um, you mentioned we're talking about the facial protection, or it's called PPE. Yep. Um, that's what we've been, you know, I've been, I should say, helping you, helping GMS um, actively get to people who need it, people on the front line in the last several weeks. So we're talking medical professionals. Yeah, medical professionals. Yep. Um, so my background, I'm, I'm actually a health lawyer. So health lawyer, I specialize in medical devices. And we'll talk a little bit um uh, about this in the podcast, but PPE is actually a medical device that's regulated by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, the federal government. And so health law, as a health lawyer, I've spent a number of years working in this space. Um, this is what I specialize in. This is what I work in on a regular basis. I am currently a lawyer at Microsoft. I'm actually a digital health lawyer. Um, I focus on the intersection of health and tech um, and where it meets to to treat patients. So doing some really cool work at Microsoft, um, a lot of focus on artificial intelligence, machine learning, how we can take a large amount of data, which exists in the health industry, um, specifically patient data, but the other types of data as well, um, how we can take that data and use algorithms and machine learning um, to this sort of advanced technology to better you know, improve patient care in a number yeah. of ways. And there's a lot of cool examples and we can get into some of those examples and maybe how they apply to COVID-19 or not. Um, so that's what I've been doing for the last two and a half years at Microsoft. Um, again, focusing on the AI space, working a lot with cloud computing and healthcare. Prior to Microsoft, I mentioned I'm a medical device lawyer. I yep. was in-house at Zimmer Biomet. So Zimmer Biomet, 
um, orthopedic medical device. So orthopedics um, uh, refers to joint replacements. Um, so any, if you know anyone who's had a knee replacement, a shoulder replace, shoulder surgery, hip surgery, um, there's a good chance that they received a joint replacement um, for part of that joint, and that's that type of device is manufactured by a company like Zimmer Biomet. So I was at Zimmer Biomet for about five years, working solely on med device, a little bit of digital health at my time at Zimmer Biomet. Yeah. Very cool. So with this podcast and talking about, you know, going into the mass, basically your network is full of hospitals and doctors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So part of, so it's so interesting, part of my role at Microsoft in the last couple of years, obviously I, as a daily, on a daily basis, I'm a legal counselor, provide legal advice. Um, But there's, there's a large, I'd say maybe branding networking component to that. And so I've spent, a lot of time on Twitter, on LinkedIn, cultivating relationships in the health industry. Um, and so on Twitter, as you may or may not know, the commu- when, when the healthcare professionals, you know, doctors, nurses, health technicians, when they communicate on Twitter, they have historically used the hashtag MedTwitter. Okay. So I spent the last several years connecting, following, I think it's following on Twitter, following doctors, nurses, health professionals on Twitter, actively sort of using the hashtag MedTwitter in order to follow. And part of that is um, it's helpful in the health tech industry. It's helpful for us to have active communications with the end users of our products. So um, we want to hear how doctors are liking the products we're putting out, how we can make it better, improvements we can make. So why that matters here is I was able to quickly activate my network on Twitter as well as my network through Microsoft and, and Zimmer Biomet to quickly locate those hospitals that needed masks. Yeah, well, and let's, and we can kind of start at the beginning. And this is going to be, I mean, this is a, this is a lot. I know, I know in my industry, the restoration industry, there's been a need for N95s. Yeah. Um, and they're difficult to get and the timelines and what you can get them and the cost and, you know, all of those things fluctuate daily. And that's kind of what, that's been my world for the last three weeks mm-hmm. is, is, you know, working on GMS during the day, but, uh, you know, Seattle, uh, Pacific time, once it gets to be about seven o'clock from seven to 1 AM, it's me communicating back and forth, you know, with China trying to secure some mass and get them into the state. So we can kind of talk about, uh, our last three weeks cause it does change daily. It's always something, something new happening. Well, we didn't. So, and you're, you're probably going back to this, but this isn't something that when you think about a business plan or even a community no service, there was no plan. So do you remember sort of how this happened? Well, so this, this happened. So I have a bag manufacturer that, that is in China and he reached out to me and said, Hey, there's a factory, you know, basically a factory in our in our neighborhood yeah. that makes medical supplies. Do you and your family need any any masks? I can get some for you. Is how it's this is how my story. This is how it started yeah, so for I, us. Yeah, so he reached out to you well, on Facebook, right? Face, yeah, we communi- yeah, we communicate on uh, on Messenger on yeah. Facebook. That seems to be the easiest way for us to do that. Um, yeah, reached out to me on Facebook and then I asked you. I said, you know, do you do you want me to get any masks? And then when, and then what you replied that there's a, 
a need that you have some hospitals that you've you've already heard. Yeah. That were looking for masks. Yeah, because at that point, so I'd mentioned Med Twitter, right? So at that point, I'm checking Twitter every day, and what I'm seeing is healthcare professionals. And Twitter is it's very, I think any social media platform, it's very common for there to be grassroots effort. Um, and so it's really sort of the people, right? The people who are are in the weeds are actually calling out and needing help. Um, it's a nice way to, I think, in any sort of um, crisis or even from a political perspective, it's a nice way to see sort of like what the populist is is needing or wanting. So we saw with Med Twitter, um, there were hashtags, hashtag get us PPE. Yeah. Um, I saw sort of fir- frontline reports. I had also even, and we had talked about this, um, I had, I think, and I think it's because in fairness, I think it's because I was, fo- my, my Twitter feed was so medical focused but I had been following the outbreak in Wuhan since late January. Um, and I remember giving you updates and, and saying, I think I remember walking in Seattle, we were going to the REI flagship store. Yeah. Um, and I was like, hey, there's this crazy thing happening in China. Um, I don't know if it's isolated, but there's a huge city that's on lockdown. And I said to you, can you imagine if we would have to do that here in the United States? It seems sort of scary, but you know, hopefully they get it under control. Never thinking it honestly was was going to be this bad from an outbreak perspective. Um, so I so we had some some sort of line of sight from Twitter as to what was happening, and doctors at that point very much in the Seattle area and the Bay Area, and that was even before New York, honestly, or maybe at the very beginning of New York. Um, there was very very limited supply of PPE. It was running out very quickly three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we had, so kind of a conversation that, that you and I had, I got this message that said, do you need some masks? You wanted to donate some. Yeah. And I think, I think you wanted to donate a hundred of them, maybe. Well, yeah, because you asked I mean, me. How we, this is kind of how it You're started like, how many? for us. I'm yeah. like, I have, no, I have no idea. Yeah. 50, 100. And then I'm always ready to go bigger on everything. Like yeah. it's, that's my personality. Yeah. Like, I just want to go bigger and better. So I was like, well, if you want to do 100, let's do 1,000. And and this was the message that I put out on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy 3,000 masks. I'm going to sell 2,000 of them for what it cost me to buy 3,000. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll sell 2,000. I'll donate 1,000. Or if those don't sell, I'll just donate, I'll donate all of them. Yeah. But it was, it was a way to go, you know what, let's try it. And if we sell out of the 2000, then we'll take, we'll take the money, we'll flip it and we'll do it again. And we'll try to donate another thousand. Um, <laughs> that was kind of how it started. Yeah. On that and that late, was a Thursday. Late Thursday night. Thursday night. Uh, I put the message out on Facebook and 10 minutes later, those 2000 were sold. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, it's so interesting. This was a casual, casual conversation we were having after dinner on Thursday. So you had flown. When we were uncertain of whether or not we should even like, are we, should we commit to that many? Should we? Yeah. It was a lot of unknown. And again, it was very early. I, you know, so if we think about the, the mass media was not reporting the shortage at that point. Like this was something that was again, not at that point, grassroots, yeah being talked about on Twitter. Um, I was also hearing, uh, in fairness, I was hearing through some of my Microsoft colleagues, um, through some of the account teams, that there would, 
that their clients were beginning. So their clients would be the healthcare institutions and providers that there was starting, there was a fear of shortage, especially in the Seattle area. Um, when we had seen, so in fairness, in Seattle mass media, um, we had seen that um, hospital workers were going to like a, I don't know if it's Hobby Lobby here, but let's say Joanne's going to a craft store and starting to make masks. That was a huge sort of, all of those put together was a red flag. Um, But you had just, you know, you had just flown back from South Carolina. I think that was the last event we've seen. That was the last trip. Yeah. Well, even coming back from that event, I mean, my my plane was a third full. I mean, it was already starting to happen. It isn't like the deserted airports that there are today, but three weeks ago, um, you know, the lunch was to go. You couldn't sit in the restaurant. That's uh, right. You know, even three weeks ago when I was coming back from Charleston. So it was already... Yeah, a lot of those those rules regulations were already going into place in in a lot of those cities, um, and that was March nineteenth. March, yeah, Thursday, March nineteenth. Now, is that when I came back from Charleston, or is that you flew back on Wednesday and we so stopped? I flew back on the eighteenth. That we had yep. this conversation on, on the nineteenth. Okay. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's important. So I, so when we decided to do three thousand, I sent a message back to. Back to my guy and said, you know, how many can we get? Can we get 3,000? And he was like, oh, there's plenty in stock. Mm-hmm. You get whatever you want. And I said, can I get more than 3,000? Especially like after we sold the first two in 10 minutes, I was like, wow, there's, there's a real need here. Can I get more? And this is all, you know, based on this opportunity that we can, for every two we sell, we donate one. This is, this is an amazing opportunity to be able to give back to, to our community. What well, was only it only took thirty more minutes. Now we're at forty minutes, and another two thousand had sold. Yeah. So I asked him again, "How many?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "However many you want." So that's kind of that's kind of where the story started, and then we went to bed. Yeah. And the next morning, when I woke up, I had messages, and I I think I had probably sold eight thousand more. Yeah. So now we're at twelve by Friday morning and and then it became this this kind of mass panic on our end to get money collected but then get money collected get it into the right bank account and then wire it to you know wire it and send it to China and there was a definitely a a cash flow issue coming cuz we were coming straight into the weekend mm-hmm. and 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 I remember, you know, that Friday night, which is now their Saturday, and I'm going, like, now I need. I just did eight, then we just did. We did two. We did two. We got twelve. We're gonna we're gonna take that. We're gonna donate. We're d- doing twelve. We're donating four. I need sixteen. And over that weekend, with you reaching out to your contacts and me keeping those posts up, we got. tens of thousands I think we ended up being like I think 50 I think it was around 50,000 yeah mass that we ended up getting I guess I guess or I call them orders but requests people requesting masking it was and it got to a a number that was outrageous I mean yeah and it's interesting so there's definitely and there's there still is we can talk about the current state but Definitely a huge demand um, from both your end users as well as water restoration professionals. Yeah. As well as the health industry. Now, what was interesting is 
what started as donating a thousand, you know, we are at this point, it's, it's a rolling number because we continue to donate. We continue to facilitate others donating, but we're close to 30,000 at this point. Um, I should have probably done the math before, but I know we're right around that. that. The math keeps changing. Yeah. It was. Yeah. As far as, as far as mass donated to hospitals, I think it might even be, I think it's even more than that. It's at least 30. I mean, it's it's at least, that's a good point. It's at least 30. Um, 30,000. So I posted, so actually I think it was Thursday before we went to bed. So it was, and this is, if we look at sort of dual tracks, what Jarrett was able to focus on is procuring the mass. So importing the mass from China, as well as, you know, selling to any of his end users that had the need. Um, and then, and our models changed a little bit. So I want to be clear, this is how it was at the beginning. And then my job and focus was getting the mask in the hands of the health professionals that most needed them in our country. And so I took a couple different routes, um, but I, I posted a tweet. I tweeted a message on Twitter and I asked, because um, I mentioned I'm on Twitter. I'm not super active on Twitter. I mean, I, I don't know. I tweet a message like once a month or tweet it something once a month. Um, but I asked a network contact of mine, a CNBC health reporter, Christina Farr, who is highly respected in the digital health industry. I asked her to retweet my message. And the message was was basically like, hey, health community, my husband's company can import these masks. KN95. And so that's a they that's are, an important yes. distinction. KN95. And we've learned a lot between the differences of N95 yes. and KN95. And yes. KN95. We are trying to identify a hospital to donate at least a thousand. So I mean that was the initial. It was like at least a thousand. Who needs it? We want to get it to whoever needs it ASAP. Um at the same time that I did that, and then Christina Farr retweeted, um, I was actively in contact with the hospital's uh, hospital system, Swedish, also known as Providence, here in Seattle, right. to identify, because um, we knew we wanted to donate close to home. Um, we, we knew we wanted to get back to Seattle as well as identify the other areas. And Christina had, I think by her retweeting, um, I was able, a lot of cool, really, really cool things happened. Um, I had, you know, people I did not know contacting me. I was able to get the proper donation connections or contacts in New York, Annapolis, and uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And then I had my personal contact in Boston. And so I made that connection. I also, I'm pretty sure this is how James Park found us. Yeah, James Park. Yeah. yeah so I got, I received a message on Twitter from James Park, CEO of Fitbit. Yep. I do not have a business relationship. I've not done work with Fitbit um, through Microsoft or Zimmer Biomed. So that was not a pre-existing. Reached out, James ultimately ended up purchasing, we helped him facilitate donations, purchased a number of masks. 16,000. And donated. donated to the hospitals in San Francisco. Yep, in the so Bay Area. James, yeah, yeah, shout out, a big shout out there. Yeah. James Park, Fitbit, uh, me, yeah, we connected with him, he connected with us, however, um, but we, we ended up getting 16,000 masks 
to James and he that he donated to hospitals in San Francisco. Yep. Awesome. So that was very awesome. cool. So it's almost as interesting. We were following the hot spots and we were sort of checking off. So we knew James took care care of the Bay Area, which was good because as everyone knows, California sheltered in place very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it was it's dramatically flattened their curve. New York has a density per capita issue or reality that the Bay Area doesn't. So I, I want to be sensitive because I think um, that the leaders in New York have responded in an appropriate manner. And I'm not, when I say quickly or not, I, I shouldn't pass that blame to people. I think there's a reality that all things being equal, had New York sheltered in place earlier, it might have helped. But but I don't know if the facts were there that would have yielded that this is kind of That's kind of a hindsight conversation, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think... Th- if we would have known what was going to happen on the 19th, yes. I would have ordered mass a week ago. That's true. <laughs> no, that is... Yeah, that is very true. I would have tried to secure stuff for people before that. I think the other the other thing I wanted to add was um, the KN95 through versus N95. So N95 masks are a class two device regulated by the medical device by the FDA as a regulated medical device. Um, what we had access to were KN95s, um, and so a couple things to to point out there. Um, we knew that they weren't the equivalent. So we knew that they weren't the actual. Um, type of device that the FDA had cleared for use in hospital settings. I would know even if we had access to N95 on the 19th, um, as as a supplier to hospitals, we at that time would have been subject to certain FDA requirements as a supplier, um, QS regulations, registration requirements. Um, but we. To be clear, we did not even have N95. So what we had was an interesting situation. We had KN95s, which were not cleared by the FDA, um, but we were being told by our supplier in China that they were the equivalent, right? They were... I think we heard that from numerous sources. Yes. That, yeah, the KN95, it's the 95. It's the 95% yes. article. Yes. Um, it's the 95 that's important. Yep. And it, it's his, you know, it's used in. So even before the pandemic, KN95s are used in China, this yeah. for the same purposes that we in the United States use N95. So part of even through the donation process, right? We had to be very transparent, and I think that need to be transparent remains today, but very transparent to the hospitals. This is what we can donate. Can you accept this oh, donation? Yeah. So we had a long sort of email that we were sending. I know you sent it and you can talk a little bit about James and I forget his name now. Gary V. Gary. Is that what we're talking yep. about? I was going to say Mark for some reason. Um, but it was basically like, we have KN95s. This is a picture. They are yeah. as is. They. Like, this is, we're fulfilling or we're trying to fulfill a humanitarian need. Well, I think that's an interesting kind of look into our relationship. I'm always like, I just want to run forward as fast as possible. And then maybe I'll clean up the mess behind me or like maybe someone else will do it. But I'm just going to continue just to bulldoze forward as fast as I can. And then you coming to the table, you're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's regulations, yes. there's FDA, there's approvals, there's, and, and, uh, 
yeah, through us, I would say working together. Yeah. We, I, there was a, there was, well, and I would say by us working together, it, it pushed me to keep, keep trying to find the best certification and the best product. So on my end, you know, that, that first supplier that said they had plenty of stock, Mm -hmm. um, we ordered, I think we received maybe 20,000, 30,000 of the total, the, the total order ended up being in one week, 70,000 Yeah, is what, what it ended up being. And I remember like to, to kind of minimize the confusion, there was like eight different purchase orders open and we just consolidated them all to this one, here's a $70,000 order. But you know, was, I think it was 20 or 30,000 shipped out. And then that factory got taken over by the government. Yeah. And we didn't have access to it anymore. Yeah. Um, and then that was, and then with that happening, and then with talking to you about the FDA approval, then we started, now that I knew that my guy was looking for a new factory, I was like, well, hey, well, you're looking for a new factory, find an FDA approved factory. Yeah. Find. And we don't, in the industry, we don't use the word approved for class two See, devices. This is, this is perfect. This is great information. So what do we use? Cleared. FDA. Cleared. To, traditionally for class two devices, they require 510K clearance. Um, when we're talking about class three devices, so class three devices would be like pacemakers. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a, I guess a device that like poses more risk for the human body, simplest way to put it. So class one is lowest risk. Class three is highest risk. Yeah. Um, class three require what's called pre-market approval, a PMA. So you can say class three are approved. Class two require what's called 510K clearance. Okay. There is a significant difference between those two processes. A 510K clearance takes maybe three to nine months, depending on the, the device, and may or may not require clinical trial data. Especially if there's what's called a predicate device, a device that's significantly similar that's on the market. And you can point to that device is on the market. My my device is similar enough. I don't need to run new clinical trials. PMAs always require clinical trials and take, I was like, three to five years to get through the FDA. Oh, wow. Okay. So because of that, we have to be, in the health marketing world, you have to be very careful not calling enough class two device approved because you haven't gone through that PMA process. Well, then I want to be very clear right now that the GMS podcast did not say there was an FDA approved device. Yes. Yes. Disclaimer. <laughs> I'm going to retract that. Asterisk. 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 I'm not even going to about editing it out. I'm just going to, yeah. I'm just going to yeah. make the change right now. So. And now the audience, they just got a glimpse into your life. They this, is, just, this is my life. I'm, yeah. I'm corrected constantly. Yeah. Just yeah. in case anyone who ever thought I was never wrong, I'm I'm wrong on average. What would you say? Three and a half minutes. Every three and a half minutes, That's I'm wrong. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway. So we did. So, but with with that first first kind of hurdle, we started we started looking for better better factories. And. So you're actively looking for better factories, which kudos to you. I mean, you were, you could talk a little bit about this, like a rigorous process, but well, the FDA also, can I, can yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You so, want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I just want to say the re, you know, the, at first there was just an urgency to bring in mass and, and you and I, maybe you more than I, I didn't have any information or any education on it. It was just like, 
I'm going to bring in masks. I remember one of uh, one of my Aramsco reps hit me up and was like, hey, I saw you just commented this. That's not actually right. And he spelled out a whole bunch of stuff for Which me. Which is for, super helpful. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. thank you. This isn't my space. Like, yeah. I, th- I'm, I'm trying to use the resources that I have to help out in a time of need. But at the end of the day, this is not my space. I'm not an expert here. So, yeah. so that was very helpful. Um, and then, and we knew that we wanted to donate to hospitals. Yes. And so it was, and so for me, it was more important. It wasn't, it wasn't important. This is almost like so different than most models. I didn't want the, to find the cheapest product. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find the best product. Yeah. And so that's, that's where our, I challenged my guy. I was like, he's like, oh, I have this. This is a lot cheaper. It's like, no, no, no. We're giving these to like first care responders in the medical industry. Yeah. I want the best product. I don't want the cheapest. And so he, he went down that path of finding something, something good, something, something cleared, FDA cleared. Uh, and he did, and he did find it. Yeah. And I guess I would, I, I do want to clarify. Um, I think the reason, so if you look, the reason the need for more rigorous um, vetting I think that's vetting um, arose was because we went from donating a hundred to a hospital to tens of thousands. Yes. And our supplier's main factory, whose primary business was manufacturing medical supplies, sold out. So then our suppliers started actively going to other factories. So the first batch we received that we're talking about that 70,000 came from a factory everyone was very comfortable with. This is what they were in the business of doing before the pandemic. What we've subsequently learned in China is that there's a lot of factories converting to meet the need, just like we're seeing here in the United States. But with that, both you as an importer and your supplier in China had to get a little bit more rigorous to make sure that those new factories were following appropriate procedures. So I think that's important clarification as well. Oh, I th- no, that's, that's absolutely right. And I think, I mean, when I look back at the last two weeks, you know, the things, the things that I've heard, you know, at one, one night you think you have this many thousand shipping and the next morning you wake up and there was a factory that was taken over by the government. And then you think you, you find this new factory and this many you're going to ship. And then you wake up the next morning and that factory just got bought out by a larger company and refunded your money and good luck. Go find somebody else. And then you find two more factories, but their paperwork didn't check out when they had falsified their, their FDA certificates. And then when I checked them on the FDA website, looked for their mm-hmm. registration they don't exist, you know, which, which my guy in China calls these, these people cheaters. So these cheaters yeah. don't check out. So now we're looking for new factories. And I think, you know, what, what ended up happening is like for every, for every 10 possibilities, eight of them were, yeah. are canceled. Yes. You know, so it's like. And for, you're doing this 10, vetting. This isn't, we don't have a consultant doing no, this. No, no, this, this is, is. Yeah, it was. But it's like for and it happens for in ten the evening. days of orders, eight days are canceled. Yeah, and and yeah, and then we've and then on a normal business model, you can collect money. You know something's going to ship. It's going to. So if I collected money on Thursday, I know it's shipping on Monday. I know it's delivering on Thursday. Yeah, great. Well, now Thursday gets here and it hasn't even shipped yet. Mm-hmm. And and that ended up, you know, that kind of started to be a problem. So I think that uh, you know anybody. 
in the U.S. who has ordered something and it's still not here. These things are happening. There's so many things happening behind the scenes. Um, well, then the FDA, the FDA cleared KN95s. Yeah. I mean, this, then, which then changed the Chinese customs to regulate yes. it as a medical device, which then created a whole new, like, good problem. I'll call it a good problem. It created a good problem that counterfeit KN95s can't leave the country, but now all the KN95s sitting on the dock now require all this new paperwork. Yes. So they're still not shipping, and they're still just sitting on the dock. And so every every morning, every day... It's a new, a new problem, a new thing. And it's something that, you know, with us, you know, we, we know there's a need and we, and we basically just keep, keep fighting, keep trying every day, keep pushing to find more, find something better and, and bring them in. And, and to kind of catch up from three weeks ago to today, we're, we're on our second order now. Yeah. And still experiencing the same, you know, oh, we even talk about FedEx and then FedEx changes their policies on how much, how much can ship and what the big, you know, they, they changed it from, you know, and I'm making, I'm making up numbers, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make the point before you could ship something that weighed 75 pounds, you show up to work tomorrow and they changed it to where it can only ship 50 pounds. Yeah. So now you're unpacking everything to repack it and you missed a day of shipping because of, because of those new changes. Well, FedEx is also, and I don't usually do shipping, so you can explain this better, but they're only expediting. They're only, yeah, they're only shipping priority. Priority. Okay. They're only shipping priority. So there's no other shipments going out priority only, which then drives the cost up because mm-hmm. you're paying ridiculous, like ridiculous amounts for shipping. If it, like I, I was, I was explaining it like this: if you if you move, and you pack a normal size box to move from one house to the next, to ship that box right now from China is five hundred dollars. That's and, wild. And 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 the now, belongings in the box may not even be worth five hundred dollars. Oh, the belongings aren't. Right? Worth, they're not. They're not worth five hundred. But. And I and I may get some people that are like, oh, you're getting ripped off, or what? And maybe I am, but I'm just telling you the prices that I that I was quoted. It costs about five hundred dollars to ship a box here. So so, you know, it's like those. And what we were talking, you know, those those box of gloves, yeah, that usually get put on a boat and then come to the U.S. and it takes thirty days or whatever before you receive them. Well, now they're shipping priority. So those boxes, that box of gloves isn't $4 anymore. Now it's $66 because you can only fit 10, 10 cartons of gloves in a, or 10 packs of gloves in a carton, and that carton's $500 to ship. And so, you know, a lot of now – now, at the same time, there are people that are price gouging and taking advantage of the market. There but, are. We're seeing lawsuits. I think uh, I had mentioned. Well, yeah, I do want to talk yeah. about that too. But at the same time, prices are – ridiculous to get things in right now i mean they they, they, they are. just are they it's, are so we're yeah basically what i wanted to say is just like you know it's always something new every day i wake up there's a there's a new reason why something didn't ship on time yeah um and and then and then i also i had packages uh that delivered that were opened and half of the stuff yeah. was missing and out who of opened them. Was it in China? Was it in the U.S.? No idea. I mean, I mean, I was I, in a, maybe it was customs, right? Maybe customs was looking at 
I have no, I have no idea, but yeah. I know that the way my pat, you know, the way the rest of the, if I received 20 packages, there were two of them that were obviously tampered with yeah. and they were missing product, you know? So there's, there's that whole thing too. Um, there's just a, there's a lot going on kind of behind the scenes. I, th- I feel like, I feel like the, the country and, and, and me included like before COVID before the virus, if you wanted something on Amazon, you could get it delivered even on a Sunday. Yeah. This is not like that. No, it's not. This so, is not like that. Well, we know everything's changed. There's just reality. Everything change, has changed. And um, I want to be, you know, part of sharing, you know, our story. I, I don't want to come across as like, negative about the complications. No. I want to I share the complications in a way to actually encourage others Everyone is going to help in their own way. This was a way we could help. We were uniquely suited or situated based on my health expertise and my network and your manufacturing expertise in your network. And we were able to come together and do some amazing things. Yeah. And we're still doing amazing things. And we're still doing amazing things. Um, And it's a little bit, um, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was super exciting at first. I'm a little bit desensitized and I don't, I don't want to be, I want to continue to have that passionate because that's what's, I mean, we have full-time jobs. This is what we're doing in the evening. We're spending most evening, you're spending a lot of your time working on this. Um, But I think sort of like moral of my story is helping is not always easy and it's not always straightforward and that's okay. That shouldn't discourage you, right? And I wanted to share my story in that um, just like, being an entrepreneur and just like being a professional takes a little bit of hustle. Sometimes volunteering takes hustle and it may not. Oh, absolutely. And that's okay. And we all have different ways that we can help. Like whether it's helping, you know, people in your community or whatever that looks like, that's what's needed right now. Well, I think it's just important too to recognize that, that that's recognizes what we did. We recognize the resources we had available to us. Yeah. And we tried to maximize those resources for the biggest impact in in helping right now. I mean, that's that's what we did, and 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 we're still we're still continuing. We're still trying to do that. Um, I I do want to go back to to Gary V. I know there's I mean I know there's a lot of people that know who Gary V. is. He's he's famous. Um, Gary V. Uh, he put out a tweet and wanted mass, and I'm gonna and I'll. Give a shout out to Pete. I'm gonna mess up his last name, but Pete Marrero. I'm gonna say Marrero. Uh, text me and okay. and sent me a link and was like, "Hey, Gary V just said he wants mass." And I emailed Gary V and in 30 seconds, Gary V emailed me back said, "I want ten thousand dollars of masks and talk to this person to get addresses." And and it was. So Gary, so Gary V, like, yeah, doing it. Like when he said he, uh, I mean, uh, I've listened to him for years, and uh, and you know he's he really he really helped me through uh, my life when I was going through a really hard time. Um, and anybody that's listened to previous podcasts kind of knows about me. Like real short, keep it real short. My my first wife passed away from breast cancer, and when she passed, it was. I, I was had a lot of grief, obviously, and it was hard to go to work. And the Ask Gary V show that he was doing at the time, he doesn't do it anymore. Um, I I kind of rewarded myself 
with listening to the Ask Gary V show if I went to work. Oh, yeah. And so I would show up to work. I would put my headphones on. I would start building power boxes, and I would listen to the Ask Gary V show. And it was uh, it was just very motivational and helped me really get through that very, very difficult part of my, t- part of my life. Um, so I love Gary V. Huge, huge fan of Gary V and what he does. And, and he absolutely, in a very personal way, helped me. So this was this was amazing to get that email from him. But, hey, I'm telling you, uh, as far as people kind of putting their money where their mouth is, Gary V came through in 30 seconds with $10,000 and done. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so we saw James do you. it. And James as well. We talked about him yeah. earlier. So Yeah, no, kudos to kudos to both, both of guys. them. Yeah, both um, of them. And I remember saying to you, and you know, I'm a I'm a little as a lawyer, I'm a little risk adverse. You had alluded you to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little risk adverse. And um we when we talked about bringing in that first batch of masks, um, there was we were going to need to float some personal money to do that, um, and we ended up making. I think we mentioned we made s- significant personal donations as well. Yeah. Um, and that's a and everyone's going to face this. Um, we are in as all the, all of our listeners, your listeners know, we're likely in a recession, yeah. right? Um, I think everyone needs to be thoughtful about money and what that's going to look like. But I said to you, I said, there, it does won't matter if all of the doctors die because they have no mask and no one can treat us with COVID-19. Like this is, this is one of those few times in life that I feel like I can say these outlandish things (laughs) being risk adverse. And they're actually true. I mean, we have a virus, um, Regardless of your political affiliation, President Trump, I agree with, you know, a couple of comments he's made. We are at war against this virus. We have a virus that's very dangerous to the human race, um, dangerous to some of the population more than others. But it's it's something that we need to combat. We need to in our each in our own way, find a way to help protect our frontline workers because we need the doctors. Well, and I want to be clear too that, you know, I don't, ex- I don't expect, first, I don't want any, I don't want any sort of, of what, what am I like? Congratulations or gratitude. Like, I don't want, I don't want any recognition for anything that we've done. We're, we're just doing what we can and doing it the best way that we know to make the biggest impact and help. But you know, there's some, some people just staying at home is their biggest impact. Agreed. And that's hard to do. It is. That is so hard to do. Um, And everyone, you know, whether you're alone, and I think it's hard to stay home if you're alone, or if you're a huge family, and I'm sure your family (laughs) is just as difficult. And it's not, gosh, Americans, we are so independent. We are so, you know, part of what's amazing about our democracy is the social liberties, civil liberties we have. And it's interesting. I was reading an article earlier today about the mo- how the models, um, thankfully, the numbers are looking so much better than what the models projected a month ago. And there was a model of the UK that said, worst case scenario, um, two million Americans would die. Best case scenario between half a million and a million. And our numbers are, I think we're not even to 150 yet. And that sounds horrible. And to be clear, any death is. I know. 
And the reason why those models suggested the number could be so high is because there was a um, assumption that Americans would not be able to forego so civil liberties and stay at home and we wouldn't come together. There would not be this um, solidarity. Solidarity. That's not. A word. You're asking the wrong person. That's not a word. You're. Um, you're way smarter than I am. No, that's not true. We, <laughs> I mean, yes, basically, it. that we would not we would not come together. And there's a little bit of shock around the globe, honestly, at how resilient we are, despite the fact that we went one minute doing whatever we wanted as Americans. Is that's what's great about being American within reason, within reason, right? But we have we have a lot of rights. Yes. Um, to get to your point, I mean that's that's yeah. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely did. We, a lot of discipline, a lot of people have taken this very seriously. They followed the the orders or the rules yeah. to, to shelter in place or how, uh, all the different things they're calling it. Yeah, because, you know, technically um, in Washington, it's not sheltering in place, but I'll tell anyone who's not in Washington, I've compared the rules, we're sheltering in place. Like so, okay, well, maybe, and you're, you're better at the, I just hear these terms. I yeah. I probably I think I actually associated sheltering in place with Washington on a different podcast. So yeah. I'm wrong. It's um, just what 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 is it that we have? What are they telling us to do? Socially isolate. Social isolation. Okay. Yeah, or the social isolation. And, yeah. yeah. It's a it's not that different than sheltering in place. As everyone knows, this is a state by state. You know, we have a federalist government, which means we have a federal government, we have state governments, and certain rights are reserved to state governments. And we're seeing we're seeing federalism play out right now. This is a great example of there's certain powers the federal government should exercise, and there's certain powers the state government should exercise. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. I, I just I'm not laughing at what you're saying, but I had a I had a thought. So the there's a ranch that I hunt at yeah. in Wyoming. And when I called out there, I called those guys up to see how they're doing. Now, this ranch is rough. It's two miles by two miles. And there's six people on it that that run it. And so I called out there, and I'm like, hey, Billy, how's it going? He's like, you know, going good. And I said, "Uh, are you guys having any of the the social distancing or the social isolation or, you know, anything like that going on? And he goes, Oh, I've been social distancing since 1972. <laughs> yeah, because it's, like, it's Wyoming. I think He's there's 30 people. No, I'm just that's exaggeration. But well, no, on his on yeah, on his two mile by two mile square, there's six people. It was it was I I, I just thought it was funny. I've been social distancing since 1972. So sounds like my boys in Wyoming, they're going to be just fine. They have it under control. Their yeah. their numbers look look yeah. pretty good. Um. Yeah, no, and it's, we were watching, or maybe I was watching, we were talking about a, a recent um, White House press conference, and different states have taken different techniques. You know, the the populated states have taken the social dis- distancing, sheltering in place. Other states have taken more of a contact tracing where you're, you're you've identified who's been, um, diagnose with the virus and you sort of trace who they'd been in contact with and you quarantine and and that's that is a more that approach can happen when there's fewer population right because it's easier I've I've heard that the number very so watch Washington took that approach for about two weeks and then the number got so big it was there was no way 
from a bureaucratic operational perspective, they could contact Trace. Like it just, the numbers got out of control. And so the best way to handle that was to shelter in place. Um, I think what we don't know now, so it's interesting, I mentioned the numbers went down. And I think we should all be very, um, that's a positive indication. Yeah. What we don't know of the remaining population who sheltered in place, how many contracted the virus and were asymptomatic or, or mild symptoms and have immunity. And we hope that number's high, which sounds sounds counterintuitive. But do you do you see where I'm going there? You, I'll be honest, you lost me. I don't what are we talking about? Maybe I, I think I, I think I switched brains over to Wyoming, then started thinking about hunting mule deer and now <laughs> I don't know if I've come back yet. So let me refocus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, please, please help me out with what what's so, going on. No, and so no, in fairness, I was. Um, I'm going to go back, take a big step back. Okay, we were talking about how we were able to give back, but we don't want a congratulations because we truly believe that every American has a way to give back. Yes, and you made a very very good statement. Sometimes just staying home is giving back. Yeah, you don't have to do anything else. Yeah, just stay at home. And then I shared how we've seen the numbers. We've, we have begun to flatten the curve okay. in a way that the numbers, as tragic as they are, I just want to be very yes. clear. It's tragic we even had one death from this. But they're dramatically better because the Americans shockingly stayed home. No one, other countries didn't think we were, the, the academics who, who modeled these numbers did not think Americans were capable okay. of staying at home in a way that we have. Um, and we mentioned state by state. And then you gave the example of Wyoming. It's so easy for them to stay home. They do that already. They do that. That's their thing. And then I circled back. And the, so mine was just a quick follow-up okay. ending to what I was saying before is the numbers are great, better. It's all relative. The numbers yeah, yeah. are better. What we don't know for all the amazing people who have stayed home, how many of those people have immunity, have the antibodies? Because if that number's small, when we open the economy again, we're going to go Wave right two. through this. Yeah. If the number's large, we're in a really good we're place. Good. And we don't know. And so it's one of those weird, weird situations that we actually hope. Yeah. That a number of the individuals and citizens who have been sheltering in place actually contracted the virus and never had to seek medical care. That would be a best case scenario, yeah. which is a weird thing to hope. But it, but no, in this is, scenario, no, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Well, because yeah, I mean, you want you want the antibodies. Yes. If, I mean, that's what you want. And you, from a public health perspective, perspective, what we know about contagious infectious disease and virus we want the antibodies as we know this virus has been different than anything we've ever seen before and we've seen some reports from south korea of citizens who were recovered and are testing positive again now i want to be careful because Hmm. it's it's some I don't think we should jump to any conclusions that yeah. antibodies aren't going to be matter here, but I think it's we should be cautiously optimistic that antibodies will help in, for this virus. And I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to like go into fear tactics, right, what it right. means if no, it doesn't. But well, I would like to. I'd like to stay on more of a like kind of a factual road of yes. like of like things that have that have happened and and 
and we've been we've been on that. But I want to ask you, I mean, at Microsoft, if you can if you can talk about it, is there anything kind of new or are there any things projects that Microsoft is working on as relates to this virus? that you can talk about. Yeah, yeah, no, happy to. Um, what I what I can share is we, we've we announced some things publicly, so I can definitely just highlight those. Okay. But I can say overall, we are very, very busy. So even things I cannot talk about publicly, um, what I can share is that the tech community, Microsoft specifically, is doing everything in its power to try to protect and protect the 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 global community against this virus and fight this virus so it's a unique time in history where everyone has a common enemy and we are all working to fight that common enemy sort of to use like a a war parallel sure so Microsoft is, and every tech company is a little bit different, but I can speak for Microsoft. So our mission is to empower every person or organization on the planet to do more. So a lot of what Microsoft does, you wouldn't even necessarily realize that Microsoft's empowering others. Um, so we've we've done some great, interesting work. We have a strong alliance partnership with Walgreens, and we just recently announced um, fueling Walgreens has a program that they're able to deliver pharmaceuticals and different, you know, grocery goods um, to patients who have contracted COVID-19. So that's a really exciting alliance and partnership. Um, We've donated basically computing power, GPUs, graphic processing units to different pharmaceutical companies that are currently running simulations. So they're using, I mentioned AI. So they have algorithms, they have data. They just need the computing power to start running these what's called simulations. And Microsoft donating that. Yeah. And it's it's a, and I didn't realize that's so interesting. These computing power, this computing power is, is somewhat of a, I don't want to say scarce resource, but it's not unlimited. There's not just like whoever wants all the GPUs. Okay. So we've donated um, some of our, what we would have been using internally, we've donated that to, to external parties. So it's an actual commodity. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I and that's something I don't think I realized um, before joining Microsoft. Uh, we also we have a um, a product called HealthBot. And this is remarkable. This is a great example of a product that existed prior to COVID-19 and was just a blessing for our customers that it existed and not trying to, you know, give us more credit that's needed, but we had created a health bot. It was sort of a symptom checker. It was something that um, the hospitals could use and sort of specialize for their own different intake processes. And what we were able to do very quickly is use that underlying technology and input the CDC guidance as to um, when patients should seek medical care. And then our customers were able to pr- basically private label, but label each of those symptom checkers, just g- download it off the website, get up and running add their hospital name, just make sure they're comfortable. Mm. And it was ready to roll as opposed to something needing to code that from the get go. I'm um, trying to think what else that publicly we're working on that I could talk about. I mean, those are three examples. Oh, the other thing, um, and I don't have visibility. To be fair, I don't. I'm one lawyer. We have um, a thousand lawyers at Microsoft, right? And so I'm, you know, I see my sort of piece of the world, 
and what we're doing. Um, I will say, so those who are familiar with the tech industry, um, you may be familiar with what's called hacking, sort of the hackathons, um, not hacking as in sort of improperly breaching another's infrastructure. Um, but hackathons are when engineers come together and brainstorm. They just get on the computer, they code together. It's a very innovative process. I feel like they should call it something different. I do too. Because now that I'm saying that, I'm like, why is that it's called? A, it's a hackathon. <laughs> I don't I know. Maybe we like have some... Criminals all yeah. gather in the downstairs basement uh -huh. in the dark alley. Yeah, because it's not that hackathon. at all. Essentially what it is, um, it's... Fight club, buildings blow up. It's the... <laughs> it's the very beginning of the development process. And so, actually, they don't like us lawyers going near the hackathon for okay. good reason. Because it's supposed to be, like, no limits. Like, yeah. come up with whatever you can think of. And then we'll make sure we bring in legal and regulatory before we commercialize it. So we have a hackathon for COVID-19. And so what we're encouraging engineers and coders and software developers, get creative. Yep. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. We're not going to release something that's going right. to harm patients, but be as creative as possible. And we have, we're starting to see they some the, really they, cool yeah, they ideas. They have the freedom to. Yeah. Freedom to create. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Kind of switching directions a little bit, but... There's a lot of people, social distance, isolating right now. Um, how do you see people, because you're in the tech space, how do you see people still connecting? And this is kind of a loaded question because I know you just video conferenced with your family. Yeah. And I have a video conference schedule with my family. But kind of to to anyone who's listening as a way to keep that that those lines of communication open, what are you seeing and how how are people doing that? Yeah, so I'm I'm seeing a lot of you mentioned this, like a lot of video conferencing. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of different ways we can do that, right? So Microsoft Teams is one way. It's um we're currently offering, I think, thirty days free. Don't quote me on that. Um, but it's something you could explore on Microsoft. There's okay. Zoom, which I know yep. Zoom has free versions. Zoom's very popular, yeah. Um, Facebook, you can video chat through Facebook if you just. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, you just um, go on Messenger, yeah. create a message, and then there's a call function. Julie and I did that the other day, just through Facebook. Can you group it? I think so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you just video conference on Facebook, and so that's great for you and I because. Um, we're in Kirkland, Washington. Our yeah. family is all in Indiana. Family's in Indiana. Yep. Um, we don't know when we're going to get back to see them. We're going to try to get you back sooner rather than later. We have, um, the reason I say that is, Jar as everyone knows, Jarrett's companies, the manufacturing plants in Indiana. So we need yeah. to, you know, need to check in on Our that. Our shop's in Indiana. My yep. brother's getting ready. My have brother and his wife, they're having a baby yeah. in, in what will Two well, weeks now. probably, a week. Yeah, less. Yeah. yeah. And we have yeah. planned on flying back to that for that. I don't know if we both can, but we'd least like to get Jared back. Anyways, long story short, video conference. Use yes. Facebook. If you have Facebook, most people have, have Facebook. Or it's so so easy. Create a free account. Um, get your family on Facebook. The one thing I've I think is great advice, check in on family members and or parents who might be alone. Um, so if you have any relatives who are single and living on their own, or even your parents, if they're married, and it's just two of them, I think most of our parents um, are 60 and over anyone who would probably be listening to this podcast, give or take, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe, let's say 50 and over at least. Um, 
And so just check on them. Like part of the issue we're seeing, I say we as in like I'm an expert on this, but I'm, you know, loneliness is real in this okay. isolation. And so just check check on loved ones. If you can't video conference, just call and just, you know, check on them and see how they're doing. Everybody take a minute to think of the people that you love and yeah. reach out to them. Yeah. Send them a message, send them a text, give them a call, video conference with them, do yes. something right now where we can all, I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's really good advice. And, and I want to, you know, I want to re reiterate that if you have people in your life that you love and you aren't physically seeing them right now, reach out to them. Yeah. Just check on, reach them. out to them, check up on them, have a conversation with them. Yep. Yep. Everyone do that. Yep. And if you are the, the other thing I'll add, just cause we're, we're on the help kick and I, I love this. Yeah. So we can all check on our loved ones. Um, for those of us who are maybe in a population group, age group and or health group that maybe were, um, were less at risk, check on in your local community, whether it's friends, family, or relatives, um, colleagues that maybe who are within that community that shouldn't be going to the grocery store. Um, what I've heard is that even Instacart and groceries, there's a week long, um, like wait list to get groceries delivery. Um, and a lot of us can just go pick up groceries for grandparents or parents or aunts and uncles. Um, so just check, right. Maybe if you're running by the grocery, um, drop off a bag of groceries for your parents or whoever the people in your life are that maybe are in that age group or have an, you know, pre-existing condition and shouldn't be going to the grocery. Everyone be extra considerate, considerate. Right yeah. Now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and end on that. Um, babe, it was so much fun having you. Yeah. And thanks for having with me. You and, and being able to share kind of what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks and for everyone else, we hope that you are, are healthy and well and staying safe and that this virus the ends soon so we can all see each other again. Sounds great. Yeah. So broadcasting out of today, the Kirkland apartment <laughs> here in Washington. Hey, have a great day, everybody.